0: rebel force radio is brought to you in part by little debbie snacks bakers of all galactic goodness like mini donuts star crunch cosmic cupcakes cosmic brownies nutty bars and much more it's all about celebrating your love of a galaxy far far away and little debbie is the fan's choice for all those sweet moments
1: Little Debbie, official snack of Rebel Force Radio, Rancho Obi-Wan, and fans around the galaxy. DorksideToys.com. For the latest Star Wars action figures, Marvel, G.I. Joe, and more, visit DorksideToys.com. Psst. From Tops comes the all-new digital card collecting app, Star Wars Card Trader. For the first time ever, collect and trade everything from legendary 1977 Star Wars cards to new cards featuring exclusive content from Star Wars Episode VII, The Force Awakens. All from the comfort of your mobile device. Star Wars Card Trader. These are the cards you're looking for.
0: A small rebel
1: force has penetrated the shield and landed on Endor.
2: Why this is starting to feel like the uh, Rebel Force Radio Daily Edition these days. Oh, I wish. Oh my gosh, so much to talk about. Still, in the days following the premiere of Episode 7 Star Wars: The Force Awakens, getting reactions from all of you online. We love hearing from you. So please keep them coming: voicemails, emails. Show at RebelForcerAdio.com and the new website, RebelForcerAdio.com, and the contact page. Great show coming up for you. Got a couple of on screen stars from the new movie, The Force Awakens. And uh, it's going to be great to hear from them and their experience of what it was like to actually be there as they were filming. What, uh, Jim, you have called the movie of the last
1: two decades. Yeah, I think it is the top movie release of the last two decades. I I really uh, can't think of anything else that has had this kind of impact. Really, I mean, obviously the prequel era was something special and amazing. But uh, to have this sort of impact, both receiving a critical reaction that it has and a fan reaction that it has... It's to me the biggest film release since Titanic of 1996. It wow. really is. I, I, I have to say that. Well, the records are continue to
2: be broken, and uh, you know the reports they're even more bullish than ever on what this film might end up doing, despite all of the competition of a busy holiday season with a lot of great releases coming out. So uh, time will tell where it'll finally fall. Uh, but, uh, wanted to get back to last time we were together, we were talking about an email we received from, uh, rebel force radio listener, Robin and, uh, Robin contacted us through the new website. Again, that's RebelforceRadio.com, Check it out. And, uh, sh- she went back and listened to our trailer review show and thought it would be fun to sort of see where we got it right, where we got it wrong. And she sent a couple of quotes to us. She asked us to respond and see if we still stand by what we were saying. Uh, She gives kudos to F.J. DeSanto. She says he really nails the basic outline of the story. Uh, So uh, F.J. seems to be uh, strong in the force there. Uh, Paul Bateman we will have to... Jim, maybe you can save this one for next time you talk to Paul. Uh, But Paul said, I can't imagine Larry Kasdan getting this excited about a story without there being a huge amount of originality and newness to it. I wonder how Paul feels about this after viewing TFA, uh, Jason. I hope there is more new than there is recycled. How does Jason look back on this? Was there more new than recycled? Uh, I can answer that. Yes, I think it was mostly all new. Yeah. Uh, certainly, the um, the look of the film was very different than uh, I think what we've seen uh, in the past, just in terms of the way that the the film was was framed. Again, a much tighter, much more concise way of telling the story visually um, were there elements? Sure, you had a desert planet, yet a snow planet. We have seen that before. Um, we hadn't seen anything like imperial rallies like we saw with the first order um the 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 villain the the dark side character who is being pulled toward the light uh right in front of our eyes. Very different from what we've seen in the past, where it's typically been lightsiders being
1: pulled to darkness. And sticking the with the tradition, too, Jason, sorry to mm-hmm. interrupt, but yeah. sticking with that tradition that George Lucas, in the few rare times in the past when he would talk about the sequel trilogy or the sequels, when he at the time when he used to acknowledge that there was kernels of ideas for them, because remember, after he wrapped up the, uh, the prequel trilogy, he's said, like, that's it. Skywalker story over. There is no start. Luke doesn't get married. None of that happens. I mean, he was so just, I mean, yeah. you know, intense yeah. about it. But I mean, he mm-hmm. would talk about the fact that the sequel trilogy would be about characters dealing with not good, not evil, but somewhere in between, some sort of gray area in between where it's hard to define good versus evil and we see that really embodied in kylo ren himself but also when you look at other characters han solo isn't this perfect hero he has flaws thank goodness for that thank goodness we didn't
2: see uh this kind of bureaucratic general solo of
1: uh the expanded universe the domesticated han solo doing dishes after dinner (laughs) <laughs> no, thank you. He went back to his, his scoundrel ways, his yeah. pirating career. And keep in mind, folks, this is the first time we're seeing Han Solo be a legitimate pirate, in my opinion. Yeah, that's Dealing right. with the underworld. Right. Dealing with, with whatever smokescreen he's throwing up there. Right. And of reminds me a little with, bit dealing with all the bad luck he always encounters as well. Sure. It kind of reminds you of the last time we saw Honda
2: Anaka on Rebels.
1: Yeah, kind of dealing with right. being
2: uh, you know being put out to pasture uh-huh. uh so yeah Hans definitely in that place uh you know I I just I go back to what we were saying uh not to retread it completely but what we were talking about the last time uh on the program which is you know you can say well this is very derivative of a new hope but I like to think that it's very derivative of the the core of the Star Wars uh story which is the hero's journey and so Whenever you have something based on that kind of a structure, you are going to find a lot of uh, of similarities, just in terms of the the uh, situations that the characters find themselves in. But I really thought this was—I don't think this was just a fresh coat of paint over over something old. Uh, I really feel in at its core, this is a this is a brand new story. But keep in mind how new can it be do we want it to be when it's the continuation mm-hmm. of what of, of, of an of the same story so it can't be like a, a, a complete reboot uh, it, this is not you know uh the, the next generation where it's 150 years after the original or right. 75 years after the original um, it's it's one-generation yeah uh different maybe maybe two uh generations what did they say a generation is 20 years something like that so I let's guess, say yeah. a generation and a half there's not a whole lot of uh, of distance time wise 30 years goes by like that yeah. for you younger listeners you may not realize it but trust me once you get over 30 <laughs> you realize how fast uh 30 years is but so I, I i think at the end of the day for me i felt that i stick by it i think there was a huge amount of uh of uh, new stuff. Uh, I don't feel it was recycled And There are some ways I would like to have seen a little bit more recycled. I, I mentioned last time about the aliens. I would have liked to have seen some more of those familiar aliens. Um, but uh, no, I, I stick by what I said and I'm, and I'm glad I think there's otherwise we wouldn't have so much to
1: talk about. Right, and we're going to have yeah. a lot to talk about yeah. for a long time. Now the, the deal with the, Online complaining that it's it's retreading uh, events from a new hulk or what have you. I, I think a lot of these complaints are coming from the same people who ranted and raged against the prequels because George Lucas was basically reinventing the wheel. He didn't rest on his laurels and just remake Star Wars. And I'm not saying that J.J. Kathleen and Lawrence Kasdan did. They're resting on their laurels and 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 copying what happened before them. I think they're laying down a solid foundation and they're using archetypes. They're using elements that are familiar to us as star Wars fans to firmly plant us into the place they want us to be. And that is the classic star Wars original trilogy. And they want to expand upon that. So I think what we're seeing here is a foundation being laid. And then I think the truly revolutionary changes that we're going to be seeing in the future of Star Wars will start to seep in with Episode Eight. All
2: right, Jim, uh, before we get to our guests, Robin has a question for you. How do you feel about the scene now with the Hans Zimmer-like, one pluck of the piano cue, Ray... uh, sliding down the sand dune, all of that. She said that I think it really fitted the scene, but it is a sound that maybe is not all that John Williams like, and very much the hype of the hype at the moment. So, what do you, what do you think about that? I know you'll have more to say on Oxygen with David mm-hmm, Collins, mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, some initial
1: thoughts here about the sparse nature of the score at times. Um, you know, I, I I have to review it. I haven't actually sat down and listened to the soundtrack in this moment. I mean, obviously, I remember that moment early in the film when Ray slides down, she sleds down the sand dune. Uh, but the music is not, uh, I'm, I'm not recalling it. Um, I feel like the tone and feel of this film was appropriate in each and every frame. I will say that, um, my critiques of the music from the trailer are more based, not in, being a star Wars fan or a film critic. It's more about being a critic of advertising and the way that the echo chamber works where it doesn't ever feel unique. It feels every trailer I see nowadays feels the same. It, it, and, and here's the other thing they do with trailers. They try to sell you a movie that, isn't what you're gonna re- you're gonna end up seeing. They they establish a vibe, in a mood that is completely foreign to the final film.
2: Well, a lot of times they'll take different stabs at the trailer to say, okay, for those that like action movies, here's your trailer. It's for those all that about like romance. Here's, here's
1: it's your all trailer. about right. marketing. And so I was uh a way critical of the music in the trailer. And you know what I like and what I don't like. Um, I feel like that's pandering. the the way that they incorporate a lot of that stuff. Um, I I, I think that all of the music that John Williams created for this movie, upon two viewings of it, I I think every moment was extremely appropriate. And that was a moment of solitude for Ray. It was taking you into her day-by-day activities. And she was a loner. And I think the music should reflect that. So it was a minimalist approach but it didn't border on those those tropes or those trends that we see so commonly when it comes to film marketing yeah, i think days. i think yeah i think it was
2: just more of a commentary on the way the trailer was constructed uh, than it was uh about the, the the music in context of the absolutely. film itself so absolutely uh, as i said we've got some great guests coming up including dc barnes who was the winner of the force for change contest he got the uh, that was the first force for change contest uh for uh, unicef where the winner one winner was chosen to go to the set of the force awakens for a walk-on role and um we'll talk to dc all about his adventures there now that the embargo is lifted but first Making her very first appearance here on Rebel Force Radio and anywhere to talk about her experience on the set shooting this movie, we have Artie Shaw, who plays several characters in The Force Awakens, joining us right now. Artie. Thank you for having us. Artie, what an exciting time for you as uh, you're one of the cast members of The Force Awakens. And as I understand it, you play a couple of different characters, right?
3: I did. It's so exciting. And to finally be able to talk about it. <laughs> I'm
2: sure. So tell us, w- where can we
1: see you in the movie?
3: Obviously, you know, I'm a gonk. Um, yes. Of and course,
1: you are, you are the gonk we saw in the behind-the-scenes footage that was screened at San Diego Comic-Con. Yes. You are the me. gonk. Hey, Jason, we got the gonk on We the got bo- the gonk. We got the gonk. And you know what's so exciting about this, Artie? That you, you are the first actor from The Force Awakens to appear on Rebel Force Radio.
3: No way. That yes. is awesome.
1: Yes. And, and I believe this is your first ever Star Wars interview.
3: It is. I'm so, so excited.
1: Oh, we're excited to have you. So besides Gonk, a.k.a. Power Droid, what did they call Gonk on? The, did they call him Gonk
3: on the set? Yeah, they did.
1: Excellent, excellent. (laughs) We'd love to hear that because that is a nickname for the power droid that was generated by the fan community. Oh, wow. It's good to see that tradition is carrying forward. But you did play another character who is very important to the story of The Force Awakens.
3: I did. I helped bring Maz to life, or should I pronounce it, Maz? Mars, I'm very sorry. I think you said <laughs> Mars, yes. I mean,
2: Harrison, uh, Han
1: Solo calls her Maz, but you can call her Maz. <laughs> <laughs> so how exciting. So so explain to us how you brought Maz to life.
3: So I was involved with uh, the mo- – mo- um, I can't even speak. I'm so excited. <laughs> I was involved with the – motion capture um so with the movement um I was I was involved with that so you know whenever she's walking and with the actors um I was working with them and you know pretty much everything I helped to do to bring Mars to life and obviously Lupita um played a huge part as well um with um with her with um the dialogue and everything else as well but to be involved with her, it was so special because she's such a lovely character and very wise. And um, it was just so exciting. And I got to hold the lightsaber.
1: <gasps> oh, my God. So, yeah, you were part of that scene. And you were actually sharing time well, on the set. not just any lightsaber, though. I yeah, mean, right, not Luke, Luke Skywalker the course. lightsaber from Empire Strikes Back. And, but, Artie, and you Winter were actually spending time on the set with Harrison Ford?
3: I did wow, and it was i it was phenomenal. I got to speak to him and do scenes with him, and he's just so cool he's just so, he's like so so cool, he's such a legend.
1: he absolutely is a legend, I mean, my goodness, to be able to share space with him would be mind blowing but yet i mean you were you were acting with him i and was so are you, at one point, Maz jumps up on the table and gets a close-up look at John Boyega. Was that you up on the table?
3: Um, that was, um, I did the sitting part there. So the jumping up on the table, I, I think that may have been done in post-production
1: with ah, the motion
3: capture team. I
1: see. So
3: um, without giving too much away. Um, <laughs> but um, I was at the table doing the scenes with the rest of the gang there.
2: Now, Artie, with so much secrecy involving the, the, the story and the characters, uh, what were you told about the character of, of Maz Kanata? What can you share with us that helped you and, uh, and Lupita come together and create this character?
3: Well, I didn't know much about her. I did know that she was a, a pirate, and she was very wise, over a thousand years old, and um, that her glasses did have special powers. Um, mm. so that helped and, um, Lupita was great to work with as well because she wanted to know from my perspective in terms of the height, how she would also move. And obviously being four foot tall, she would need to take, um, faster steps than the average sized person, mm. um, and various things. And she was, you know, really good like that wanting to know. So, um, she, um, wanted to, um, not just do the character, but she wanted to understand it from the height perspective as well. And, you know, the movement and everything.
2: Right. Right. And can you give us a sense of, uh, what types of shots they might've said, Oh, we got to bring in Artie for this. And, and what was done, you know, through the, the regular motion capture, what was the, what were the situations where you were needed?
3: Okay. So, um, obviously Lupita would do the dialogue and with the actors and, and then they would um, say, let's do an arty pass. They would call it an arty pass. Cool. So, <laughs> wow. wow. So, so you are like a me... meme
2: on the set there.
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So they'd uh, get me in. And then, you know, I would be the eye line for where they're talking to the character. And when she's doing the walking and, you know, sitting at the table and her arms are on the chair and um, handing of the lightsaber and stuff like that. So that was an arty pass.
1: That's amazing, and and also tell us a little bit about Abu Dhabi.
3: Oh, my gosh, it was it was like a dream when we saw the film at the casting crew after the filming. After we saw it, I said it was just like a dream come true. Seeing the sunset um, amongst the desert was one of the most amazing things I've ever seen which I'll never forget and everybody out there um, there was so much passion and we were very well looked after as well being very hot out there they had teams of people who would make sure that we were hydrated and you know those who were in costume and creatures and whatever we were looked after so well and you could just sense from day one that people had so much passion for this project and you knew that it was going to go on right throughout the project and so
1: getting into the gonk, um, I, I, I hesitate to even call it a costume, I, a device. What do we call that when you actually have to get into something like that and perform it? Do you just call it the droid?
3: Yeah, we would call it the droid. Um, so they'd have, um, uh, obviously there's a lot of people who work behind the scenes and you've got guys and girls who make all the creature costumes and, you know, they're on hand on set to make sure that the performers comfortable getting in and they're comfortable getting out and they've got water and everything so I'd have two people helping me get into the droid um so there's obviously the feet um then the bottom part and then you've got the top part and then there's a metal pole inside where you move it up and down and it's its eye basically I don't know if you can see it um I'm moving it up and down and um it's guiding me as to where I'm going so So
1: The thing about Gonk is when I think back to the stories that Kenny Baker used to tell about being out on the set in Tunisia, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. uh, he would tell stories about the crew taking breaks for lunch and forgetting about him in the R2-D2 droid (laughs) casing. Did you encounter any sort of wacky events like that where they just... No, they got you out of there.
3: <laughs> they did. I was number one priority with them. No, yeah, I kid. <laughs> absolutely.
1: No, no, you should be. You should be. Can you? Uh,
2: what do you think, Artie? Can you give us a little gonk? Do you know what the gonk noise is? Was it? It goes gonk,
1: gonk, gonk, there- gonk. Oh, there is it that- is. That's perfect. <laughs> who, you- who, needs- who needs Matt Wood? Were we- you- we've got you. Were you making the sound <laughs> while you were in the gonk? Were you watching? You did, I did. of course, oh, my to. God. This is but just.
3: It brings it to life. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Absolutely. So when I watched the film, where should I look for you? I saw. I, I recall seeing one gonk in uh, in the Abu Dhabi marketplace, the Jakku That's marketplace. That's you. Yes. So are you responsible for all gonk activity in the film?
3: No, just that particular one.
1: Did you play any other characters besides the Power Droid and Maz Kanata?
3: I did. Um, there were... Well, what, well, I'm not sure what they've called it now, but when we were filming, we called it a fula, And um, I had to wear a fat suit. So every day when I was in this character, after lunch, I kid you not, everybody would say to me, oh, you've had a big lunch. Um,
0: <laughs>
3: <laughs> and, um, I, you know, the fat suit. So I had to walk where I was crouching a little bit and with a waddle and literally stick my bum out um, (laughs) and hold these canisters. But, you know, it it gave it a feel that these creatures are really small and the canisters are so heavy. Um, It's the way that you move and, you know, it really gives the character a brand new life. But this was, um, I think, near... They had lots of other gonks and it was near a couple of the... um, Oh gosh! Well, it was where we filmed um, in Greenham Common. It oh, was there, mm-hmm. yeah. Oh. So, so you um, were there too? I was, yes.
1: And and okay. And so, what is that character called again?
3: Well, I'm not sure what they've called it now, but when we were filming, we called it a fula. Fula. Yes, E-fula. <laughs> it was a nickname. Yeah, a fula. And and
1: just <laughs> give us a brief physical description of a fula.
3: So it's very round and fat, and. Um, it's a, it's carrying i think canisters of oil or petrol or some kind of fluid to fuel up um aircrafts hence it's, the fueler so he's a little
1: he's a little creature a little alien what what color is he
3: so the the coat i'm wearing a cloak and it's mustard and it's got a like a gas mask on it so obviously it's carrying chemicals and it's smothered in oil um oh gosh it's wait well, very fueler. um yeah.
1: Fula. I want an Fula action figure.
3: Yeah, me too. <laughs> you will <know>, you <laughs> might... try and find one for you.
1: I'll bet. Artie, you might get
2: three action figures out of this movie. How about it? I hope so. That's that pretty would cool. be
3: so cool. Now, <gasps> I,
2: I'm guessing you've had a chance to see the movie by now, right? Yes.
3: Yeah, so how many times have we seen it in our rhythm?
1: Oh, you know what? We we lost uh, a Rubik. Oh. Yeah, his Skype is, is failing on him. He says his oh. Skype is useless. <laughs> okay,
3: okay. Well, we've seen it twice. We saw the cast and crew, and then um, he wanted um, – well, the tickets came out midnight on Wednesday here. So he was like, we've got to get to the midnight screening. So we had tickets for then. So we saw it twice in one night. Yeah. Um, and we're going this weekend with um, – numerous friends and family members
1: yes make it a party make it a celebration why not you've earned it you you deserve it you've kept quiet for all this time yeah it's (laughs) such an exciting time for you Artie. what what's
2: it like to actually have been there on the set and then to see the film is there a huge disconnect were you able to follow uh elements of the story or were there still big surprises once you actually were sitting in the theater
3: There were huge surprises. I only knew bits that I was filming. I didn't know Hmm. everything about the film. Um, Were there whispers
2: on the set of, oh, I I heard that this happens. I heard that this might happen.
3: No, everybody was so good. Yeah. Oh, that's great. (laughs) And I tried to forget as well so that when I see the final product, it's all a surprise to me.
1: Sure. So you were at the red carpet event in London earlier this week.
3: No um I I didn't get to go to that it was just the well not just but it was it was the cast and crew so um I got to see a lot of people that I worked with I think for the uh premiere they just invited principal cast mm-hmm. um yeah but it was nice catching up with everyone again who I've not seen in a year or so
1: And what actors from the film have you been rubbing shoulders with at the premieres
3: Um so at the cast and crew obviously there was um who do I well there were a lot of the uh, doubles and um there was Tito, who was played by Kieran Shah oh yeah yeah any relation he's distantly related to me yeah
1: interesting interesting yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. so he's he yeah. certainly made his his mark on the early part of the film writing around the uh Boy, I don't know what that beast of burden was, but it looked like it had an ATST head on top of it, right? <laughs> so it looked like it was a part yeah. part animal and part mechanical, I think. I don't know. Uh really cool stuff though, and uh I mean, what a thrill for you. Um, any chance you're gonna be finding some work uh on future Star Wars films?
3: Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh.
1: <laughs> That's a maybe, huh? That's a maybe. So you might be uh, busy come next month.
3: Maybe. Maybe. Oh,
1: <laughs> well, we will have to get caught up with you again uh, when we have more time and yes. uh, when we uh, see the, the movie 500 times and we don't have to ask you about yes. We'll I'm sure we'll be intimately aware of all of your characters um, once we become more familiar with the film itself. You know, it's just so great, though, to uh, be able to talk to you and have you, Artie Shaw, be the first actor from The Force Awakens to appear on Rebel Force Radio. Yay! <laughs> it's Thank been you so a, it's much been for a pleasure,
2: you. Artie. Yes. Thank you so much. And congratulations. Enjoy this moment. And we do look forward to talking to you again as you uh, continue your journey in the Star Wars saga.
3: Thank you so much. And could I very, very quickly just mention about the charity auctions that Absolutely. Rick and I are doing? Do. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was just
1: going to ask you about that. You're doing a, a great charity auction. And uh, the giveaway is the exclusive TFA Empire magazine cover featuring the Kylo Ren action figure, only available in the UK. Uh, tell our listeners what this auction is all about and how they could win that amazing magazine slash action figure.
3: So, um, Rutvig has set up the auction on, um, on eBay and, um, obviously there were only a limited number sold in the UK. So we managed to get hold of a a couple and we decided to auction them for charity and there's mind, which means a lot to Rutvig and there's bliss, which means a lot to me. So if, you know, anybody can make a bid, um, we're going to donate everything to these charities.
1: Oh, well, this is fantastic. And, and our pals over at Jedi News UK, they're involved in this. And uh, all you have to do is just go on eBay and uh, do a search of Empire Magazine, uh, Force Awakens. Um, explain to me what bliss and mind mean.
3: Okay, so uh, Bliss is for premature babies, Uh um, as I was uh, premature myself, so this means a lot to me. And um, that's why I wanted to donate to bliss and i do with my work anyway mm-hmm. and um Ritvig wanted to donate to charity um called mind which is a mental health charity yes. um uh, not a lot, a lot of people don't seem to talk about it and its awareness and you know sometimes people go through struggles on their own and they don't feel comfortable about talking what they're going through And MIND encourages people to to talk or it helps um, communities get together and support each other. So we thought, you know, we'd like to donate to these charities.
1: Okay, this is great. We'll put the links up to... uh the auction on our Facebook page. But, uh, yeah, you know, you guys listening, you have a chance to win this great and what's becoming more and more rare, magazine with the action figure. And you can also make a difference by supporting Bliss for Babies Born Too Soon, Too Small, Too Sick. Help them uh, survive, essentially, with your donation. And, of course, uh, Rootvig uh, is... um, he is supporting Mind in Croyton, uh, working to promote good mental health. And, yeah. uh, and uh, you know, thank you for, for doing this. And uh, thank you for contributing to what is, as of this point, the biggest film release of the century.
3: Wow. <laughs> <How about laughs> Amazing. It, huh? Thank you so much for having us. And um, whenever we come to America, we'd love to meet you guys. That would you be guys great. You guys are awesome.
2: That oh, would be thank great. you so much. We would love to. All right. Take care, Artie.
3: Okay, take care. Bye. Right. Bye-bye.
2: Bye. And big thanks again to Artie for dropping by and telling us about her exciting, exciting time there yeah. on the set of The Force Awakens. And it sounds, Jim, I don't know. She's dropping maybe yeah. a little bit of hints that we may not have uh, talked our last Star Wars movie with Artie.
1: No, no. And I think we should bring her back before any other Star to talk a little bit more about The Force Awakens when mm-hmm. we have a little bit more time with Artie. Yeah. But uh, it was definitely a pleasure to make her acquaintance. And, uh, uh, you know... She's the cutest gonk droid I ever met. She sure is. <laughs> Whoever knew that gonks were so cute.
2: Um, now, as I said before, uh, D.C. Barnes, the winner of the Force for Change contest from, gosh, uh, over a year ago. In fact, Jim, I think that that UNICEF uh, Force for Change was the first video mm-hmm. that we saw of uh, of anything from The Force Awakens? That was before the trailer.
1: Yeah, we saw um, that uh, that merchant from Jakku, who mm-hmm. you see standing behind Rey in line at the uh, at the uh, the trading post. Um, his name is Baba Joe. So Baba that Joe. was that was the very first character and the abu dhabi set the jaku marketplace or trading post i you know i don't right. even know i'm sure that there's a very specific name for this outpost i'm sure and we're going to learn it soon As a matter of fact later today i'm making my first run to the bookstore to go pick up things like the art of book and the visual dictionary and the cross sections whatever's out there right the now the novelization now the novelization i want to say this jason okay, okay. Right. because now we're 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 beyond the point where we're not spoiler phobes anymore okay we can Uh speak openly Uh about this film however there are many elements of the story that have yet to reveal themselves to me because i have not read the novel yet and i'm going to crack that open tonight let me (laughs) trust me you know i at least um the audiobook form because you can't buy the the actual physical hardcover book right now but i'm going to i'm going to start it up and and i'm really anxious to learn more about this movie and i i hope people can respect the fact that star wars fans need time to read this so any you know if we bring up something and it's it's revealed in the novel you don't have to let us know we'll find yeah. out <laughs> please give us time because now we're already, already seeing already, it already i mean uh, our reactions for the the opening night podcast that we released on friday where we had the big party at hollywood boulevards boulevard cinemas thank you everyone who showed up um music from the mac family and uh the von max the von max. and the then Mark, and yeah. then after the sign off me and jason came back and we recorded an additional segment this i'm telling this to people in case you know they turned it off once they heard our closing theme but we did come back <laughs> and we gave our initial thoughts for about 20 minutes very spoiler heavy yeah. our initial thoughts of the film and and wouldn't you know it people started right as oh no uh han and leia you'll you know their their relationship status is this because it says so in the novel and i'm thinking to myself guy <laughs> let me read it the movie's <laughs> been out for two days as we record this podcast. <laughs> we have recorded so many podcasts. You guys are going to see, because, I mean, we have so much stuff we're going to be releasing. But that's all we've been doing, is right. just talking and talking. We haven't had time to do all the research. So please, <laughs> please just just it's respect <laughs> respect the spoiler-free policy concerning the novel at this point. I think we need to instill that standard in fandom that a lot of fans... Read at different speeds, at different volume. <laughs> you know, I can only find a certain amount of time per day for a book. Yeah. yeah, you don't have those commutes anymore. Right, so so let us have the time and keep the spoilers about the novel to yourself. Because if you start correcting us on everything we're saying based on what you've read in the novel, you're taking away the enjoyment for everyone else who, who wants to read the book. So, yeah, speaking of
2: corrections, uh, for everybody who emailed about uh, Star Wars... Uh, um, Oh.
1: The, oh, you know what the big thing is? The 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 one that we messed up messed up on We with, screwed up the comic book thing because yeah, we thought yeah, yeah, Poe yeah, yeah. Dameron was conceived on Endor. And it sort of makes it seem that way. But there's one panel in like yes, the second is. or third issue where um and I, gosh, I forget Poe's mother's name. Uh Shira, Shara Sh- I I can't remember. Yeah. But um she she says to another X-Wing pilot that she had spoken to poe and her father right however everyone wrote us to say that you know yeah poe is from yavin and in the last panel of the shattered empire comic book you see them at home at least you see husband and wife Mm -hmm. on the planet yavin okay but nowhere does it say he was conceived on Yavin. however (laughs) listen all i'm saying is this oscar isaac and i'm very happy to be corrected in this situation because right. Oscar has been telling the story because he grew up in Guatemala. That's where Yavin was originally shot in 1977 or 75 or 76, and and that is is, is so. There's a, a synergy if his mm-hmm. if his character is actually from that planet and he's actually from the the country that represented that planet back in the 70s, then. What a great story that is. <laughs> yeah. So don't listen, it's everyone, better that way. Don't, don't, don't anyone tell Oscar that <laughs> no. we even had this conversation. Let's just keep it between ourselves, okay, guys? Yeah, yeah please do. Because it, it's a happy ending as far as I'm
0: concerned.
2: A very happy ending. Yeah. All right, uh, DC Barnes joining us right now. He was the winner of the Force for Change contest. Hello, DC. Hello. How are you? Good. How are you? Welcome back to Rebel Force Radio. Doing great. How could we not be doing great this weekend?
0: <laughs> I, it's, it's amazing, isn't it?
2: It's it's in, it's incredible. I, I'm I'm assuming the embargo is lifted. You can now uh, tell us about your experience there on the set of The Force Awakens, having won the Force for Change contest. I think I think I
0: can. I think I can. Well, if not, if not, it's only. What, a $5 million lawsuit or
1: something? <laughs> Have they actually quoted that number to you? Listen, no, guy, no. Listen, no, guy, didn't. say a word and it's $5 <laughs> bucks. No, some... no,
0: no, they never did. But that I was referring to the the Batman uh, thing. Ooh, Do you remember that?
1: Oh, no. Is there some sort of loose-lipped character uh, working on the Batman v Superman movie? Or just, are they yeah, in this, trouble? Yeah,
0: uh, when I... Right when I got back from England, uh, one of my coworkers was like, "Oh, did you see this article about what happened on the Batman set? And someone had leaked that the new Robin is a female character. Ooh! And then got sued for five million dollars. Oh my God, that's yeah. crazy.
1: But I don't, I don't know if it actually went through or not. But so DC, you, know. you are the guy who." Uh, Got the golden ticket inside the candy bar, and you were yes.
0: Uh, it was and, an actual candy bar,
1: and and um, you, you won the Force for Change UNICEF, uh, uh, I, I guess uh, raffle. I guess we should call it. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that, um, that's fair. <laughs> and uh, and you won a, a, a role in the Force Awakens. So tell us where you were and what the role was. So role is pretty generous word in this case. Okay.
0: uh
2: so you guys, Oh, wait, I mean, were, were you handing out rolls at the. Uh, <laughs> he was at That's the food right. table. He right. said craft food.
0: <laughs> Correct. They were Kaiser rolls, <laughs> Kylo <laughs> rolls. Kylo Ky- rolls. Ky- Kylo Ren <laughs> rolls. <laughs> oh, you guys. So, we're, <laughs> <laughs> um, so I pretty much got cut out. Oh yeah. I mean you guys saw the movie, I'm assuming. Yes. Twice now, yes. Twice, right. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. So the scene that that uh, we shot was in uh Maz Kanata's uh bar, her uh-huh. her den. Um and that there's there's just snippets of it, maybe you know, less than a second yeah. of stuff. You know, if you remember there's a montage of the different uh, uh aliens and whatnot mm-hmm. in, in the rooms, so so I you were see, there, I though. about this much in my head. The top well, my- still, so,
1: you know, I did notice your name in the credits. And, yeah. And we also have a Blu-ray release coming, and so maybe uh, you might get a little spotlight there. Right, right, right. But yeah. the coolest thing is that you were actually in Mas Kanata's castle. Yes. And, uh, you know, hanging out. And uh, it, it, if, if there is one criticism I could lay on you about the film is I th- On me? Well, no, not on <laughs> your work, but I'm just saying... Okay. Oscar. Oh, yeah, that top three yeah. quarters of your head there, uh, DC. <laughs> I'm not is. talking about you specifically. I'm just talking about the, the, the way they put that sequence together. I could have dealt with a little more time with all those characters in there and maybe taken a closer look into some of those alcoves to see what was going on. It just seemed like it went by a little too rapid fire for yeah, my taste. It was
0: it was very rapid, but uh, you know the whole movie was a uh, fast-paced movie, so I guess I can... I can understand it from an editing standpoint, the inertia of the of the movie. But um,
2: well, D.C., I, I would say that if I got to choose to be on any of the sets in The Force Awakens, it would be Maz's castle. That was the most <laughs> Star Warsy. that had, you know, clearly the most uh, going on. I mean, you know, it was, was a
0: very, very interesting scene, you know, and set for that matter. It was. Yeah, you, I totally agree with you. It's. Uh, Did it feel
2: like you had stepped into the world of Star Wars when you got there?
0: Uh oh yeah, oh yeah, yes, uh, definitely yes. Now, so am I, you... oh, can, am I allowed to swear on this? Uh, no, don't on... swear, don't swear. Because <laughs> I just, I've, if, if, just I've say been holding back all kinds of expletives. Uh, this whole journey, but yeah it's it was friggin amazing,
1: okay, good, yeah, yeah, yeah. use things That's like good. that, or if, <laughs> if you have to use the f word, just maybe say uh, uh, fish just, yeah, you fish. know it but, was it was fishing great, you know yeah um oh yes, it was totally amazing, so, so. so beyond Maz's castle set, did mm-hmm. you get to tour the other sets i I assume you spent all of your time in London at pinewood <laughs>
0: uh well. Yes and no. There was, there was actually a little addendum to my adventure that wasn't publicized. Um, but uh, do you want me to just tell you, like, go through what we, like, how it, how it started and what we saw? Yeah, I'd love to hear the whole story. Okay. So the first thing we did when we got there was uh, a costume fitting, which uh, is featured in that uh, video. Uh, I don't know if you saw that, the Force for Change video. Yes, of, of course, yes. Uh, right. Okay, and then so there was that which went on for a few hours, actually. Um, the amount of detail that they went through to in those costumes was, um, you know, amazing. I thought surely they're just going to like throw some Star wars uh robes on us and then throw us in the background somewhere. But it wasn't like that at all. It was, right. it was, you know, a full-on costume fitting with Michael Kaplan. Um, that went on for a long time. And it, that was very, quite impressive. And uh, actually, there were three of those fittings. So there was the first day, the next day, which they came back with all the revisions. And then the third day, which they had to go in, we had to go in front of J.J. Abrams for approval. So he had to personally approve it.
1: Wow. And what was that like? What was racing through your head as you approached the director of the film?
0: Uh, well, we had met him earlier, so, um, so it was fine. Yeah, he's not an intimidating guy at all. He's very, really down-to-earth, uh, straightforward, very charming, intelligent guy. Uh, so he was very cool.
1: And he approved uh, of your costume, I take it? Yes,
0: he did. And, um, you know, it was really Michael Kaplan's work. So he was uh uh he and Michael Kaplan were discussing it and um uh then JJ Abrams approved it. Put DC his,
1: DC, can you yeah. describe the costume?
0: Uh sure, sure. It's uh you you can kind of see it in the film. It's basically um uh it was a, a forest green um cloak with a hood and um kind of a a pleated kind of um what's the word i'm looking for kind of layered uh front um it was a very heavy uh patterned fabric uh it was a little bit it was uh, asymmetrical um yeah so it was um yeah kind of a, a hood and cloak kind of a star Wars, uh, (laughs) a cloak, if you will. Yeah. 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 And there was
1: no face. Oh, there was stuff on your face or no. Yeah. Yeah.
0: They covered half my face with uh, a prosthetic, which was like a kind of a Baron Harkonnen type uh, boils and stuff.
1: (laughs) Fun. And, and your character, does your character have a name?
0: Um, okay. So this is, (laughs) so this is a weird story. Um, when we were shooting, um, we we shot some background stuff first, and then we were sent back to the makeup department to get touched up on our makeup. When I when I say we, I'm referring to myself and my friend Trent. Got it. Who, who came along with me, and um, then Andrew Jack uh, came up to me. I don't know if you know who that is. He's he was the dialect coach uh, on the film, and he also has a role in it. Um, who does he play? He plays the uh, resistance officer who says, um, it's another Death Star. Oh, and then, oh, yes. It's kind of an older gentleman with, with white oh, He looks hair. like
1: Donald Sutherland.
0: Yeah, exactly. Wow, exactly.
1: yeah, we spotted him. Yeah, in the war yeah. room, for sure.
0: Right, exactly. So he came up to me and he was like, oh, uh, would you be comfortable saying a line? And uh, I was like, sure, you know, I'll do whatever you tell me to do. <laughs> Uh, so he said, okay, I'll, I'll come up with a line. And he came up with this uh, alien language line. And uh, um, so then they had me say it when we did our little scene. But then when I got back to the States um, and some time went by, you know, a couple of months, I noticed that on IMDb, I then had a credit, you know, it was then listed under Star Wars, and they had my character's name at, which was part of my line so it was Katakoyo um, and so i thought oh they gave me whoever is in the pr department called up imdb and was like okay these are the the names i don't know how imdb works at all so
1: interesting interesting um, i'm i'm actually trying to punch up your uh, your imdb yeah. page right now
0: right so then uh, it changed, actually, when the press screening happened. I guess they released the official credits, and so I was changed to Bar Patron.
1: <laughs> I like the other name better.
0: Yeah, yeah, so it was kind of a Star Wars-y name.
1: But, Let's um, see here. Did, did you have an existing IMD page? Oh, look at you. Hmm. Oh, here's a picture of you uh, trying on a Stormtrooper helmet. Huh. It says you're known for your work at gaida at home
0: <laughs> J- G- jada jada at home yeah what's this, it what's was, this all about uh, so what i do for a living is i work for this company we make uh tv shows uh-huh. basically and one of the shows mostly cooking shows so jada de laurentis is a chef ah i get and it i get it we used to do, we used to do her show um now we do a show called uh, Diners, Drive-Ins, and Dives. Oh, yeah. I love that show.
1: Yeah. Well, oh, okay, that's so. great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So on your IMD page, it does have you listed now as Bar Patron. Right. Bar Patron. Bar Patron. <laughs> so let's get back to the set. And okay. and and so you, you were presented to J.J. Abrams, and he gave a thumbs up to your costume, and now it's uh, time to shoot, right?
0: Well, w- the first day we got a tour of various sets, uh, and then... Um, we didn't shoot until the last day we were there. So tell us about the sets you saw. Okay. So the first, uh, I'm trying to remember what order it went in the, okay. So the first set was, uh, Maz's castle, uh, and that was all amazing. You know, it's very intricate, incredible detail, like over the top detail, detail you can't see in the film detail. Um, and a lot of little, uh, uh, Easter eggs that we were, that were pointed out to us. And then we went to, Wait,
1: what kind of Easter eggs?
0: Um, f- for example, uh, there's some graffiti on the wall, some Mandalorian, uh, graffiti, and there's a little scratched in picture of, um, the Slave One spaceship on the wall. Mm. Um, that kind of,
1: that kind of little, uh, uh, Easter eggs. I wonder what the significance is. There has to be some significance. <laughs> I think it's just for fun. I think, it,
0: you know, this is a movie made by fans. So if they're going to put graffiti, they're going to put, you know, Mandalorian graffiti. But also on Maz's castle, I don't know if you noticed the flags. There's a Mandalorian flag yes. in the front of the castle. Yeah. yeah,
1: I did notice that. So, so. that's what makes me wonder. Is there any significance? Does Maz have some sort of connection to the Mandos? I, who knows? I'm Possibly. sure a lot of these. We have years and years to fill in these blanks, right? right. <laughs> so, so Maz's so castle. What, what, what other right. sets did you see?
0: So the next set we saw was a long dark hallway, which is where um, uh, Ray is being called down the hallway to the. Uh, um, where the lightsaber is, right,
1: right. You know. It was just, a, it was just an empty hall. Yeah, like the basement of Maz's right. co- castle. I, I want to keep saying Maz's castle, <laughs> Maz's right. castle.
0: Le, call, we'll call it Lupita's uh, castle. Yeah. Um, so then we saw the Millennium Falcon set.
1: Did you get to go on board the Falcon?
0: Yes. Dang. Where's so that? This... Where's that picture, DC? That's part of that's part of that video. Ah, um, oh, that's going right. On there. Yeah, yeah. You, uh,
2: you um, on the fountain? I don't remember that part.
1: Um, well, it's there. Okay, it's well, I'm there. Not, I'm, I don't doubt you. I don't yeah. doubt you. DC remembers it. I'm I, sure. I, <laughs> I,
0: I vividly remember it. Did yes. you
1: look in the like floor panels to see if you could crawl in there and, and hide from the Imperials?
0: Yeah, actually. Um, so that set, that was an amazing set. That was really amazing because. Uh, you know I was so familiar with it right the other sets were amazing, but i they were new to me uh-huh. this one was um, shockingly uh, realistic I mean it, nothing was plastic, everything was like uh, uh, metal um, it was uh, inlaid metal um, uh, the set was um multiple levels, so you could Pull up the grates and get down into the engine, like they do in, well, they do in um, Empire and uh, Force Awakens. The uh, the ladders to the gun turrets were really there. They really went to bubbles at the top and the bottom. I mean, it was it was a full on. I mean, it was the Millennium Falcon. It was so it was mind blowingly real. <laughs> so, mind blowingly.
1: What about the? Um the gun turrets were, you know, uh-huh. they, were they in there? Could you look in there and actually see the you gun could turrets? Lo-
0: you, could, you could look down there and then they just had that part um, blocked off where they would then switch it out with a different part of the set, um, which, I mean, we didn't see, but you could, you could climb up and down those ladders. Wow. Um, did you? So did you? I did. Wow. I did. You did uh, it all, man. You did it <laughs> did all. It all. Yeah, what was really amazing was to me how much um, detail they are layered, detail they put in from the previous movies. So, for example, there's a scene um, when there's a small fire uh, that R2 D2 puts out, remember? Yes. Um, in the battle scene. So, I don't know if it came out in the movie, but those burn marks. Were still were they had painted those burn marks in onto the wall to match what had happened in Star Wars.
1: Oh, perfect, perfect. Yeah. So they got wow. They really paid that much attention to the history. So they're actually yeah, they're actually providing set details for <laughs> another movie. Yeah, <laughs> in pre- this pre- one essentially. Movie, yeah. That's amazing.
0: Yeah. That's and amazing. Uh, um, one of the interesting things was the. You know, in um, the Millennium Falcon, there's those round uh, lights that kind of, at about head level, that were previously square in Star Wars, and then in Empire, they were uh, round. Wow. <laughs> so they wanted to, to make it seem like, oh, well, Hans has been working on it. You know, it's a, it's a continuity of time uh, with these different details uh, for example, the radar dish on the top has been replaced because right. it got knocked off, right?
1: Yes, yes. So
0: so all of that kind of stuff was taken to,
1: into account. For sure, for sure.
0: Uh, any other sets? Uh, yeah, so then there was that one. Then we went to see, uh, we watched a scene being shot, which was the, the in front of the castle after it's been demolished and they're fighting off the stormtroopers. And, uh, the scene we, sh- we watched being shot was, um, Han Solo and Chewbacca are kind of up against the wall and, um, Han Solo takes the crossbow and shoots the stormtroopers.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Great scene. Uh,
0: right. So we saw, we watched that scene being shot. Wow. You saw, um,
1: wow. That is so
0: cool. <clears throat> right.
1: <laughs> I, I'm sorry. I'm getting so, so excited really, here for you. I it, can't was,
0: it was really cool. And, uh, <laughs> Actually, the line was changed in the movie. I noticed because in the when we were watching it, he says um, he turns to Chewbacca and he says, "Gimme that thing," and then he shoots the stormtroopers. but in the movie he says uh can i can I try that or can I borrow that or it was much more polite in the movie <laughs> uh.
1: Oh, okay. All right. So, yeah, there's something they change around in the yeah. uh, in the the post-production process when they're uh looping their their dialogue. Um and any other sets? Uh yeah, then we so we
0: we watched that and then um we got driven over behind so this was on Pinewood and behind the uh the bond uh stage, they had a snowscape set up. Where they had just the uh, cockpit of the Millennium Falcon out there as if it had crashed, which it, in the movie you know that it crashes into the snow there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So they had that, just that one little piece of the set there.
1: Amazing, amazing. And um, that's So it? then
0: that, I think that was it for set.
1: Yeah. That's all, huh? Wow. Yeah. Oh. <laughs>
2: yeah, that's all. Well, <laughs> pretty <laughs> that's impressive. Enough. Sorry you didn't get to do that's anything enough. cool,
1: DC. Uh, yeah. yeah pretty impressive so tell us a little bit about the the shooting process itself how long were you on set and how many hours did you log shooting those sequences in maz's castle
0: um okay so what we so we were scheduled to be there for three days um but we kind of weaseled our way into into two extra days so we were actually there for five days
1: what did you do keep messing up the shoot so they kept having to reshoot and you know, you know? hey i'll insert myself <laughs> here or, or just like start coughing or something so that, no it was try like to they, stretch it out a little longer <laughs>
0: they, they were very concerned about us getting bored for some reason uh so they were like you know do you want to do you want to stick around or do you you know you we can get a car to take you back to your hotel you know and we were like no, we want to we want to stay.
1: Are you crazy? <laughs> of course, we'll stay here all weekend. You're going to have to drag us out of here <laughs> kicking and screaming. What are you nuts? Yeah, absolutely. Huh. So
0: the the actual shooting was only on our last day. Um so that was we got there early and got into makeup and costume, which actually takes quite a long time. Mm-hmm. Like um more than an hour really, I guess. And um, then we were taken over to the set and it was you know when we had seen it previously it was empty but then they had brought in all the props and all the extras and all the smoke and fire and it was extraordinarily hot um and they were like they were they were very like they didn't tell us anything about what to do they were like well why not why don't you stand over here you know uh-huh. just as a suggestion like we could just we could walk anywhere uh, so we were like, okay, and um, they shot the scene uh, where the main character is all sitting around the dinner table talking, yeah. and we are pretty far in the back, maybe 20 feet behind them. Um, and that probably only 25% of what was shot ended up on the screen. That conversation was actually very much much longer and they had some other special effects and stuff going on Um, when I say special effects they were really uh, uh, practical effects I guess they weren't weren't digital Um, so that took um, I don't know maybe two hours Mm -hmm. um, hour and a half two hours Uh, I didn't, I wasn't looking at my watch (laughs) and then they uh, took us back to makeup and then they, that's when Andrew Jack approached me about uh, doing the line and then they brought us back in and they had changed the entire set around, Uh, changed the the angle and the lighting Um, and then the actual scene was we were around a, a table and we we're supposed to be gambling on um, some little robots that are uh, fighting battle bots. So we were gambling on this, but it was um, the robots were added in later. So we were just gambling with an empty table. <laughs> yeah. um, and then uh, that took maybe another hour, hour and a half of shooting. And then then that was it for us. But then they kept going. They kept shooting other things after that. Um, so, but which we also got to watch them shoot.
1: Cool, cool. So, I mean, it, this sounds like, in my opinion, the ultimate fan experience. Yeah, well, yeah, absolutely. More, more than that. <laughs> and of course, you're a huge Star Wars fan yourself.
0: I am. I am. So, I mean, I don't think I'm up up to the level that you guys are. Oh, I don't know about that. Maybe.
2: You know, well, we I haven't mean, been to the set, D.C., yeah, you know, yeah, so we're going to have that.
0: Okay, but if you were allowed to go, would you go?
2: They wouldn't let us. Yeah, they wouldn't let us near the <laughs> Jimmy and I would still be in the Falcon cockpit bawling. Yeah, yeah, and
1: <laughs> podcasting. Right. Yeah. <laughs>
2: <By the> way, <laughs> way, that would make a heck of a studio, oh, wouldn't God. it, that,
1: that, that cockpit? Yes. Yeah, that would be
2: incredible. Well, D.C., <laughs> um, obviously you've seen the film um, how many times now?
0: I've seen it twice. Actually. You've
2: seen it twice. And uh what are your thoughts?
0: Uh I'm really uh, it was better the second time.
1: Yeah, we it, you know, I feel the same way, DC. Yeah. Yeah, because lot the first time was, that, yeah. the first time there was just a lot of a lot of things running through my head. My my mind was racing so much. I was trying to look in every corner of every frame yeah. to try to find something. The second time, I was really more involved in the story. I became more immersed in the the, the film itself, and um, I I wasn't. I wasn't feeling the shock of the moment. I was feeling the emotion of the moment. So yeah. that's what I think the second screening has definitely done for me. I already have people on Twitter arguing with me about my initial reactions to the film. I'm like, geez, people uh-huh. just back down a little bit, okay? <laughs> I mean, Well, what was your initial you reaction? I, I, I don't know what people are reacting about. I, I got a, a tweet here that says, I couldn't disagree more with Jimmy about a certain character moment. We know what moment he's talking about. The guy Uh says it was one of the most powerful Star Wars moments ever. Uh I don't know who who he thinks he's arguing with, but I certainly never said it was. uh, What did I say? I think I'm the one that was questioning how
2: uh, impactful it was. Uh I said that, that. I mean, I was throwing out there the idea that we it needs to pay off later because there wasn't enough reason for it right now. His death has to matter in a larger way
0: um okay, yeah i'll give you that but the the thing that I thought was that this movie was um, they really went for the emotional side of these characters, um much more than the prequels, you know, uh kind of getting back to that what was started in Empire and kind of finished up in jedi at the at the very climax um I think that's one of their motivations for putting all that stuff in the well, I think this
2: was this was this movie was all about character. Yeah. All yes. about
0: character. That's and why establishing I thought, the characters. Yeah, I thought that the Kylo Ren character was amazing. Outstanding, you know.
2: I did too. I thought that he was uh, really quite messed up. Yeah. I mean, even even more so than Anakin. Yeah. Um, Anakin you know, and maybe it's just the way that the actor portrayed it, but there was, there. you know, Vader says in Return of the Jedi, there is no conflict. Well, in this movie, we saw the conflict in the eyes of Adam Driver yeah, playing exactly. Kylo Ren.
0: Which, you know, must have been a hell of a difficult scene to play for him. Uh, all those scenes, actually, they had to have a top-notch actor for that. I'm...
2: Well, and I think that's, that's what we have with this movie it, overall, is top-notch performances by actors really at the top of their craft. Um, and you know, I was telling, uh, you know, friends here that really the, the, um, the new characters watching Daisy, watching John, watching Oscar, uh, and Adam, they were, they were as compelling and I, they, you know, the absence of a Harrison Ford or a Carrie Mm -hmm. Fisher on the screen didn't really bother me because I was just enjoying watching them so much.
3: You know, I felt like,
2: you know, the, the, uh, the legacy characters were just a little bit of a of a of a bonus. Mm-hmm. At the heart of it I was watching a, just a really cool, great Star Wars story. Um, but uh no getting There's back to the It's
0: definitely a very good handoff to the next you know, it was a very good uh coupling movie between the previous movies and what will come next, I guess.
2: It was. But uh, I'm 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 in the camp that they're we're still looking for more meaning in, in Han's
0: death. You think you don't think that's just Harrison Ford saying, you know, rehashing his desire to see Han Solo? Oh, I die? think
2: it definitely is Harrison Ford doing that, asserting himself. <laughs> um, but uh, hopefully, the you know Lawrence Kasdan and JJ, as they uh, get the the story developed over the next couple of films, mm-hmm. um, they'll they'll give it the the meaning and the context that it needed to have.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And that, you know, it was left with such a cliffhanger, literally on a cliff.
1: So <laughs> true. <laughs> so true. Yeah, so true. yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah it, it is, it is a, a cliffhanger. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, Kylo Ren and Hux are going to go and uh, hook up with Snoke to complete Kylo's training. Um, we really don't know what the status is of Finn. We know he survived, but will he be <laughs> affected by this? Will he be handicapped moving forward? Well, he's got a longer butt crack. <laughs> <laughs> and then of course the return of luke skywalker uh-huh. I mean, and, and we don't know anything about ray's uh, family um you know we're all right. we're all kind of leaning in one direction but uh will it be down to luke skywalker to return to greatness and and train that jedi that will right. really train that jedi really <laughs> really uh bring uh bring uh justice to the galaxy so well dc what a, what a fascinating story so great to uh to hear it how can our listeners if they want to get a hold of you reach out
0: um boy i don't know i mean my twitter i guess is just dc barnes all right good enough uh, 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 yes yeah. <laughs> good enough twitter so. or uh facebook is the same just plain old DC bar.
1: <laughs> well, it's great to hear your story and congratulations. Thank you. Thank you very much. Nice. I wish you guys could have been there. Oh my God. Well, if you, if you ever win again, you know, we, we know you uh, they let you bring friends. So, uh, Hey, by the oh, way, okay. by the way, what's your friend's name again, who you took with you? Uh, his name is Trent. 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 Uh, so Trent owes you big. Uh, what is he, he going to do to pay you back? <laughs> and when are you going to collect? I don't know. Maybe
0: if he gets to go to the star Trek, uh, set then he'll bring me
1: oh yeah you guys just work all the franchises don't you (laughs) yeah well that's great dc so so nice to finally talk to you uh you and me we've been exchanging emails for months and months and months yeah yeah
0: i i have to really apologize for like having such a gag order put on me but uh
1: hey that's how it goes yeah. You know, we all understand about the secrecy surrounding this product project. We saw it firsthand, especially as the month started winding down toward the uh, release. And uh, a lot of professional film critics I know here in the city of Chicago—they're just, you know, amazed. Mm-hmm. That that there was so much secrecy surrounding this this uh, project. So so thankfully, yeah. uh, you kept your mouth shut. Did you see the poster that J.J. had up on the wall that said "Loose Lips Sink Ships" or whatever it's "Sink uh, Starships"? Yeah.
0: That's a whole series of paintings by uh, some famous artist. Yeah, uh, but she does oh, World War II, Star Wars propaganda mashups. Uh, but that yeah, that was there. We saw it. and uh, a bunch of her other posters too.
1: Oh, so. Unbelievable story, DC, and uh, congrats, man! Like I said, congrats—you uh, really had the ultimate fan experience.
0: Yeah, yeah, it was—it was, it was uh, mind-blowing, mind-blowing. Absolutely, stay in touch, okay? Absolutely. All right. Take care. Okay, you guys, take care. <laughs> All right, big thanks to both of our guests,
2: Artie Shaw and DC Barnes. And we've got more coming up. So. Keep your eyes at rebelforceradio.com and your ears to the feed, the podcast feed. More reaction coming up from the family members here at Rebel Force Radio. And we're going to hear more from you. So keep those emails coming. Show at rebelforceradio.com or you can contact us through the website. We're also reachable through Twitter and
1: our brand new Facebook group. And more important than the emails are the voicemails. We're definitely going to be doing a show focus on your reviews of The Force Awakens. We want to hear from you. So keep those voicemails coming in. All right. That's going to do it for us.
2: We'll see you next time. For Rebel Force Radio, I'm Jason. I'm Jimmy Mack. And remember. The Force will be with you. Always.
3: Gong, gonk, 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 gonk.